we are in the middle of our series in the book of Acts. We're looking at it with an eye to the way that the Holy Spirit moved and worked in the church. The age of the church that dawned when Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, and then ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit. That age is what we are focusing on. And we're looking at what that means for us today. Because right now we are still living in this in-between time. You understand, when Jesus died, rose again, and sent his spirit, that was this, this age, uh, this new thing that had never happened before. Before Jesus sent his spirit in such a, a big way to all believers, the Holy Spirit was on one or two people at a time. You look in the Old Testament, prophets would have the Holy Spirit, different, different kings would have the Holy Spirit, but not everyone had the Holy Spirit. So they relied a lot on external laws and different things. They didn't really have this internal thing going on. After Jesus came, he changed all that. Jesus multiplied the ministry that he was able to do personally by sending his very spirit into the church. It's a really exciting thing. So we're looking at that. Two weeks ago, I shared with you about the day of Pentecost when God poured out his Holy Spirit on the people that were gathered in the upper room. I guess there was 120 people up there. And Jesus told his disciples, don't do anything. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift my father has promised. And then he identifies that gift as being the Holy Spirit. So They went and they waited and they prayed. And they were praying in this building. I'm not really sure what their expectation was. We know what happened because we see the story. But out of nowhere, the sound like a rushing wind comes into this room. And it says, I love the way it says it, the Holy Spirit filled the room. Then the Holy Spirit filled the people in the room. So the Holy Spirit fills things, which is pretty cool. Like to these surrendered hearts who were reaching out to God and seeking the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came and filled the room and filled them. And that's such, that image has been so poignant to me lately. Thinking about uh, in Ephesians, it talks about the glory of Jesus, who is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There's this whole thing about Jesus filling things. And, and this is no exception. Uh, in, in the day of Pentecost, all these people were filled. Last week, Corey talked to you about the miracle of Pentecost, which was these spirit-filled 120 people started speaking in different languages. And there was peop- it actually lists all the different people groups that were in town, but it was a, it was a holiday weekend, right? It was like Chowderfest, you know, <laughs> I guess. I don't know what our equivalent is, but whatever brings everyone, the, the horse track, that's, that's a much better more relevant example. People from all over the world are in town speaking all different languages. And I wonder how many languages are spoken in Saratoga Springs in like the month of July, you know? I wonder. There's people from all around the world that come for this racetrack. And it was like that. All these people were there, just this big crowd, and these 120 people were filled with the Spirit. They were, they were touched. I don't know if you've ever felt a touch from God. I'm, I'm guessing you probably have or you're waiting and hoping, hoping for one someday. So you're here, so that's good. Uh, they were touched by God. They were blown away by the gospel, that Jesus offers salvation to anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. They were absolutely floored by this, and they had this overflow in their heart of joy about it. And then the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak in all the languages represented in Jerusalem. So all of these people heard the gospel in their own language, Funny thing about that is they were accused of drinking. <laughs> They're like, these men are drinking because people that d- didn't speak some of the languages thought to themselves, they're just babbling. They've, they've been drinking. Um, but Peter's like, no, no, we haven't been drinking. It's the Holy Spirit. These are, it was just an amazing miracle. From that day of Pentecost to the present day in which we live, God's 
continual plan has been to seek and save people who are lost uh, through the church, through us who make up the body of Christ. In the same way that he shared the gospel to all these different people in all these different languages and dialects, God's plan is still to seek and save people through us, the church. Through us, and I think Corey talked about this last week, figuring out what is the language of our society? How can we reach them? How can we translate this message so that they can hear, so they can know that salvation comes through no other name? There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved but Christ. It's an amazing thing that that God has done. It's an amazing and humbling thing to think that we are Jesus' second body on earth. You know, Jesus' spirit is in us. In all of our diversity, in all of our difference, this one thing binds us together. Jesus' spirit, his humble spirit is in us. And that spirit is putting us together and forming us into the body of Christ so the world can see Jesus through us. It's just a large-scale thing. So if you think about your favorite story about Jesus, you know, uh, Jesus and the woman at the well. You think about stories of Jesus with Lazarus, or, or different stories that we love about Jesus, all of that stuff is still happening in the world through various people who are part of the body of Christ. The testimony from a few weeks ago, a woman from our church was in her small group, and they were reading the River Dwellers book about walking in the Spirit, and God spoke to her about praying for someone who had a need for healing in the group. And they prayed for that person, and that person was healed physically. So you see, these stories about Jesus are not theoretical. Jesus Christ is still doing ministry in the world. It's just through us. And it's very wild. It's a very wild thing, and it blows your mind. It humbles you. It, it leaves you in somewhere between disbelief and awe. But it's true. This is God's will, and that's why uh, Jesus sent his spirit, so we could be the body of Christ. And he can do so much more ministries through so many different people. That's why the Bible says, Jesus says to his disciples, see the things that I'm doing? you will do greater things than me because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He, I, I don't think that he meant individual people do a better job of being Jesus than him. I think he was saying, you're going to do a lot more of this stuff because there's a lot more of you with my Spirit. And of course, Jesus was perfect. He followed God perfectly. He walked in the Spirit perfectly. We don't. You know, we, we stumble and fall. and we, we rely on Jesus to help us. But we, we manage to do it because God works with broken people like us. God knew what he was getting into. He knew that we were broken and that we'd mess up and all this kind of stuff. He still sent his spirit. This is still his method. Praise God. It's an awesome thing. So Friday was a, a pretty eventful day for me. I had my annual physical at the doctor. Who likes going to their physical? Anyone? Jared does. Sarah does. You guys are weird. But I love you. You're great. But uh, it's not my favorite. But I had to reschedule it at one point. And if you've ever tried to reschedule a physical in Saratoga, it's like, oh, you can't make it today? How about four months from now? Because it's like this time slot is so chair. So if you miss it, it's, it's not good. So I was all ready, got out of bed, going to get there 15 minutes early like the robot voice told me 24 hours before on the phone. I go out, I grab my keys, go out, turn the thumb lock on the door, close the door, and I realize that they are the wrong keys. They are not my car keys. You know, does, doesn't everyone have that weird set of keys that isn't to anything in their house? And it looks just like my car keys. It has the same, like, style of keychain. I don't have them on me, but the same style of leather keychain. So I grabbed it, and it wasn't my car keys. In fact, it's the keys to my old apartment. 
the keys to the paper towel dispenser at Dick's Sporting Goods, where I used to work as the janitor in the mall, the keys to my parents' house, uh, the keys, again, from college. I'm very sentimental and strange. I only hoard on my keychain, though. I don't hoard other places. So anyway, I have these keys. They're useless to me. I say, well, okay, I'll just go in my car, but I don't have my car key on there. I have the car key for my old car that I don't have anymore. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I got to get rid of these keys. So I'm locked out. I try all the windows. The air conditioners are already out. You know, I have no hope. Uh, so I, I, I'm running down the clock. It's like, you know, getting close to my appointment at 9 o'clock. And uh, I think I'll call a cab. But then I think, oh, my wallet's in my car, which I don't have a key to. So I can't call a cab. So I call my friend from church who lives a few minutes from me. He drops what he's doing, and he picks me up and takes me to my appointment. I was so thankful. It was like a miracle. <laughs> Because I did not want to miss this appointment and have to, like, dread it and think about it anymore. You know, you don't want to prolong these types of things. So he says, I can bring you, but I can't bring you home because I have an appointment of my own. No problem. So I get to the hospital, uh, have, my, have my appointment. Everything's good. I'll be around for a while, guys. Don't worry. Um, but I think I'm going to have to walk home now. It's about 4.2 miles, according to my iPhone. So I start walking down, the, down Route 50. And someone from New Life sees me, turns around, and picks me up and takes me home. It was awesome. I looked like a total vagrant, you know. I had like a hoodie on, you know. I was wearing flip-flops because you don't want to have the lace shoes when you're in the, you know. It was really strange. But anyway, I'm like, what are you doing? I'll, can I give you a ride home? Sure, that'd be great. So I get home, and I'm just very thankful at this point. Um, but I realize I can't go in my house because... <laughs> Jackie's not going to be home for two hours. And there's just no other way to get in. So I think, well, it's time to live in the river. (laughs) Time to practice the presence of Jesus. So I set my mind to, you know, prayer walking around the house or whatever. I sat on a lawn chair and, like, pulled my hoodie over my face and tried to sleep, but it was very cold. So I'm just there for about 15 minutes of failed prayer time. And uh, I'm not holy enough, apparently. And... Someone from church sees me on my porch and drives by. He lives down the road, just a couple blocks away, and says, Hey, what are you doing? (laughs) I look like I'm going to the pool. I'm in my flip-flops. I'm in, like, gym shorts. And uh, I said, Well, here's my embarrassing story. And I told them the story. And they're like, Oh, well, no one's home at my house. Here's the code to my house. Go to my house. Hang out with my dog for for a couple hours until your wife comes home. So I say, Okay, I'll do that. So I walk over to her house and uh, get in the house. The dog is in there watching, watching Turner Classic movies. I guess the dog just needs company, so they leave the television on. So I watched like, these black and white early 1900s movies. I made myself a cup of coffee. I'll admit it, I ate some pretzels. I was hungry. <laughs> I'm going to replace them. So finally, everything worked out just fine. I walked home. Jackie was there. I've done this twice now. We've hit a key. We've hit a key now. Just not very smart, I guess. But it really struck me this day how incredible it was that three people from this church body helped me when I locked my keys in my house. Three people within a couple of hours. Isn't that awesome? Like three people from this church. Like it's, it's not being part of a church isn't just a Sunday morning experience. These are people that are part of my life that care, that will drop everything to help me. And actually, you know, Jim Ernst has helped me stop, start my car many times when it's frozen and stuff like that. I've had so much help from people in the church. But this day, I just had this revelation. Maybe it won't be 
as poignant to you as it is to me. But I just realized Jesus did all this. This was Jesus because these people have the Holy Spirit. And so as I was reflecting on this day, I wouldn't say my attitude was great this whole process. It was very stressful, you know. Reflecting on it, I just began to worship because Jesus helped me through three people in the body of Christ. Jesus in those three spirit-filled people reaching out to me when I needed help. These were, in a small way, or maybe a big way, people who were demonstrating Jesus' presence to me. And for each one of those people, it was good news for me. It was good news because these people with Jesus' spirit came and helped me. Jesus is still ministering in the world, not just through miracles and healings, but we've, we've seen that. We've seen miracles and healings. But through kindness, through love and compassion. And you just don't know how Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit, is going to demonstrate ministry to people that don't know Jesus and draw them into the river of life, draw them into this relationship with him. I mean, this is me, a Christian, experiencing this. What we have in the church is really special. Maybe you haven't taken full advantage of it. But what we have in the church is really special. We have, we have people that care about us and support us and would give you the shirt off their back in Jesus' name to help you. And that's not something that is common in the world. It's just not. In the world, it's many times, you do this for me, but you, know, you kind of owe me in the background. There's some exceptional people that don't do that. But it's often tit-for-tat type of thing. Five years ago, a friend of someone in our small group who is not a believer had a baby. And so we, it was on my wife's heart, and we set up meals for that person, like we do for everyone at church that has a baby or has an accident or has a death in the family. We set up meals for her. We made frozen meals, and we, and we gave them to her over a couple of weeks, like every night, different meal. They still talk about that with us because it's not common. It's not common to have that kind of support and love. But that is the kind of support and love that the Spirit brings when he indwells believers and they walk in the Spirit and they just do kindness and they take faith-filled risks to pray for people and share with people the love of Christ. This is, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. And this is how people many times come to know Jesus. Uh, there, there's people that are part of this church that have come to know Jesus through these acts of kindness. They've come to know Jesus through healing and through being touched by him. We had someone in our church who, uh, after being prayed for healing, avoided a surgery. You know, this is the way people are touched. And Jesus' ministry, all those stories we have in our mind of Jesus doing, saying and doing all these different things, it's still happening in the world today. We just need to realize it. We need to avail ourselves, open ourselves up, to God and say, I want to be used in this way. I, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be this person and, and be the body of Christ for someone that needs to know you. Our passage today is in Acts, Acts 2. This whole spirit-filled thing, the church taking on the mission of Jesus, the church in its multiplicity, taking on the mission of this one person by his spirit, was something that was expected by the Jewish people in their prophecy. They went over their prophetic writings like Ezekiel and Daniel with a fine-toothed comb. 
and they had expectations about what God was going to do. And what God did at Pentecost when he poured out his spirit was something that its effects were expected. It was very unexpected, but its effects were expected. And so when Peter addresses the crowd who is accusing these guys of over-drinking, Peter has this in mind. These people have this text that they've scoured and gone over with a fine-tooth comb, and they have ideas about uh, what's going to happen. And I'm going to frame what's happening now through this scripture and explain to them through how they understand truth what's going on. So this is what Peter says in verse 14, chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So, life lesson. If you're drinking at nine in the morning, you should probably talk to someone. (laughs) Somebody in the church will help you, but I guess that's a little life lesson right there. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now he's speaking their language. This is their sacred text and ours. In the last days, this is a quote from Joel, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Talk about inclusive. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice how incredibly inclusive this passage is. Men and women young and old, you have to understand in a society where children were considered less than worthless and women were heavily devalued when held up next to men, the Bible is saying on everybody, this is fully inclusive, men and women and children are going to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured on men and women, young and old, and people of every kind who come to know Jesus. And the new standard is that all of these people will experience being a part of the body of Christ in a variety of many ways. So whereas groups usually segregate themselves by race or gender or age, all of these people are included in this very inclusive vision. The new standard is all of these people will experience being a part of Jesus' body uh, in a variety of ways. It says that young and old will dream dreams from God, will speak dynamic revelation, words from God, receive words from God, and share words from God in this age. That's something to be expected. It's something that's going to become common because I'm going to pour my spirit out on all people. And the thing that I really want to to hammer here is that this phenomenon spoken about in Joel is Jesus once again coming to earth after he ascended. The spirit is Jesus' very self. It's who he is coming to earth and filling people through the body of Christ. You and me and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, God has poured his spirit out on all of us. We're supposed to be filled with the spirit and find a way to share the love of Jesus Christ with those around us, whether it be kindness, whether it be praying that God would give us words in a certain situation, with people that are lost and might not know him, 
uh, whether it is something as simple as giving someone a ride. God is asking us in all the variety of ways with your temperament, your talents, your gifts, you should expect that I'm going to give you visions and dreams, words, uh, inspiration for kindness. Think about the people you know who don't know Jesus, who you would love to know Jesus as you do. Um, These are people that God's heart burns for. You think that you have a heart for the lost. God has a huge heart for the lost. And he has not outsourced the responsibility to share the good news with people. God, in fact, has given us a way to incarnate that message in our, in our person. In the very unique way that we are wired together, and in the, the many different opportunities that we have in life, he's given us all the Holy Spirit, and he said, speak into people's lives. Do faith-filled things. Make them meals. Reach out. Because, as you read in this passage, at the very end, it says, I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, we live in this age right now the church, where the church is the witness for Jesus Christ. But there is an age to come when Jesus will set everything right. Jesus will come back. He's our coming king. He will set everything right. He will undo sin and death. That song, Revelation song, describes this, this scene. But we are in this age now where the fields are white for the harvest, but the laborers are few because people outsource the whole share God with other people. And I think it's that people don't realize that the Holy Spirit, this dynamic, creative force and energy is within them and that they have the mind of Christ and that God has empowered them and given them every tool that they need to reach out and share with people. But this whole apocalyptic language, wonders in the heavens, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows billows of smoke, the sun being turned to darkness, this is not talking just about these things, but in terms of apocalyptic language, this is talking about global politics that shake the foundation of the world and the fabric of society coming apart, times of great instability and vulnerability in the world. This is what this language is communicating. Can you identify with that? Do you feel like we are in a time where things are unstable and in the world, uh, where, where the fabric of society seems to be coming apart at different points, where it's insecure, where there's fear, honestly? What he's saying is, in the midst of all of this, before the coming of the day of the Lord, which is a time when all of these things will come to an end, and Jesus will rule fully, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amidst all this instability in in society, and we have so many things happening all around the world, the call is still the same, that the church would be a light for Jesus Christ, that we would share the message that all who come and call on the name of the Lord will be saved, that we would embody Jesus Christ by his Spirit, and that we would seek ways to reach out. Until that day, We are called, like the disciples, to seek hard after God, to pray for the people in our lives that don't know Jesus, that we want to know Jesus. We're called to ask, seek, and knock from our Father, who is good and wants to give good gifts to his children. 
we should be asking him, give me more of the Holy Spirit. Give me more. And we should have an expectation because of the scripture in Joel, because of what it says in Acts, and what we see, even glimpses of in our own lives, there should be an expectation in us that God will do things, that God will fill us. If we seek hard after him, he will give us the right words. He will give us the right opportunities to share with the people in our lives. We should expect that. I love the denomination we're a part of. They have this phrase in terms of the Holy Spirit and and expecting things from God, expectation without agenda, which I think is great. So the idea is when when we start seeking different things that we've, we've even talked about this morning and cease to seek after God himself, it becomes oblong. But the call for us is to seek after God himself. Seek after the giver of every gift. Seek him over the people that don't know him yet and to be in prayer and asking God to give us those opportunities to be the body of Christ, which is what we are. We are the body of Christ. And whether we do it as a community, like we did at the fall festival, or whether we do it as individuals, And there's going to be a lot of opportunities that we are creating that Corey is working on to reach out to uh, Saratoga Springs with the love of Jesus Christ, whether it's corporate things we're trying to do to fulfill the Great Commission or our individual lives. The first step is for us just to say, God, I want more of you. Fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me words. Give me dreams. Give me visions. Help me to crack my Bible (laughs) and see what you have to say already in there. And just seeking after God hard. Because Jesus promises that those who seek him without a double mind, without a double heart, those who sincerely seek after him, he will be found by them. He will. He'll be found. We're coming to the table of the Lord today. And I love the, I love the imagery of, of the broken bread because we who are one body break off into all these many different pieces, right? Then we come together again as, as the church. And so, as we are considering the communion table, I want you to put this question in your heart. Do I really want more of God? Do I want more activity of God in my life? Do I really want the people in my sphere of influence, family or friends, who don't know Jesus, to come to know him? Am I sold out for that? And sometimes, the reason we don't feel a strong desire for those things is because we're so full of other stuff. (laughs) And so at times like this, when we come to the table, we sometimes have to ask God, how can I create the space that is needed for our relationship? Honestly, if this mission is so severe, if you haven't outsourced this to someone else, but I am the representative of Jesus Christ in my domain, in my church, in my community, what can I do to prioritize that in my schedule, in my life, and create space for God? The biggest thing in marriage counseling is you realize that these people didn't prioritize their relationship. They did their own thing, and then they realized in a time of crisis, like, we're having big trouble. Well, it's because you didn't make concrete changes to your life to empty out yourself and to make space for that relationship. And that principle is true with your relationship with God. So what does it take? I think it takes seeking after God, asking him for wisdom, asking him to fill us, and also asking him, what do I need to empty out so that there is space for you in my life? Making room for God, making room for the work that Jesus wants to do. It's still an urgent message. 
We live in uncertain times. Many people, many friends of mine, associates in ministry, feel that Jesus is going to be coming back soon. People have said that a lot over the years. This is something that is pressing because he is coming back. And all those people in our lives, they need the living water. They're starving for it. We ask the elders to come and disperse the elements, the the ushers. And as you are uh, holding the bread and the juice, just reflect. See where your desire for God is. Figure out a day that you can just take off and get right with God. Get a connection to him at all. A time and a place. Put it in your calendar. Let it be non-negotiable. That's what God's calling me to. No matter how deeply you're sleeping, the Bible says, Wake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and the Lord will shine upon you. God says in Romans 9, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they will be called the children of the living God. Jesus died on the cross to reconcile us who have sinned and continue to sin with the holy God. In his death on the cross, in his shedding of blood, it's as if Jesus has covered our sins with his righteousness and his blood. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our filthy rags He sees the righteousness of his son. He has called a people who are not a people, his people, through Jesus Christ. And he doesn't stop with us. He says, now that you've received this, go therefore, because how will they be able to call to the one whom they have not heard about? And how will they hear about the person unless they are told about him? And how will they tell about him unless someone sends them? So as we take the body and blood of Christ, think about this. For you and for the people you know who do not know Jesus yet, Lord, we receive your body and your blood. We remember what you did. We give you thanks. Take the body and the blood. You are worthy, Father. You are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all of our lives. You are worthy of every breath. Help us to make space for you. Help us to be a people who are filled with the Spirit and exercise the love and humility of Jesus Christ in our communities, that many would come to know Jesus as we have and receive the joy of being filled with the Spirit. In Jesus' name.